Welcome into College Football Smothered and Covered. My name is Barrett Salee. Appreciate you checking out the show. Reminder to follow on YouTube, subscribe on YouTube, Rumble, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. It's been a great week. Why not have a weekend feast? Here's the best of the best from this week's College Football Smothered and Covered. Joined now by a good friend and legendary Georgia Bulldog, Mr. David Pollock. David, what's going on, man? How are you? B, what is up, my man? Oh, just cranking through another day, another dollar, another episode. So, um, look, first things first, before we get into the football stuff, I listen to your podcast with Pastor Jay as as much as possible, the, the Family Goals pod. And the most recent episode is... It's called Enduring Through Prayer. And I want to talk to you about that because for those who have not listened to the show, um, you know, give them a taste of what that's about because it is wildly interesting. Well, you know, we started in my pastor's closet. Um, no, <laughs> no, uh, no visions of like big successful podcasts. And that was probably, you know, two and a half years ago. And um, it, it's just crazy how God's worked and used it and moved. And we just, we kind of talk about things that are going on in our lives and, and a lot of, parenting fails and, and a lot of parenting um, successes. And the, literally the start of it was, you know, I, I was teaching my friends like something I did with my son. So my son, you know, has dreams, has goals, just like everybody else. But like I did a good job of getting in his way and trying to force my goals and my dreams on him. And finally I sat down with him and I was like, Hey man, let's do some goals. Like, what are your spiritual goals? What are your academic goals? What are your, what are your sports goals? And, um, it, we sat down and went through something. It really helped us, you know, not butt heads, but like I, I told him what an accountability partner was and it helped me come beside him and help him and love on him. So like, you're going to get a lot of practical parenting advice, a lot of practical marriage advice. Um, you know, we did an episode on grieving because, you know, I didn't know I, my, my, one of my best friends in the world lost his, his wife, you know, suddenly at 40 years old, you know, a couple, actually it was four months ago yesterday. And, um, and dude, I didn't know how to show up for him yeah. and I didn't know what that looked like. And so I think it's just um, if you really want to grow and you want to be stretched and, you know, me and Pastor Jay will get on there and we'll, we'll talk to you a little bit and we'll try to figure some things out together as we go along. But it's been it's been fun. And dude, be the, the people like you that have hit me up like, you know, Jeff Frank Core and Scott Drew from Baylor and Dansby Swanson and like. Yeah. All, all these people that like just keep hitting me up and they're like, we listen to family goals. I'm like, really? Why? <laughs> like, um, but it just started in the basement, uh, but we'll just help you grow and help you look at parenting, maybe be, uh, parenting and marriage, maybe a little bit different. Well, I kind of want to segue from that into football, because I think this latest episode kind of takes it. Uh, it, it gives you a taste of your faith. And and what you had to endure, because, you know, we're old dudes, right? There are some people that watch this show who probably don't even remember you as an NFL player, much less a college player. But you had a massive injury and it basically ended your NFL career. But, you know, how did how did prayer help you through, you know, the the, the injury to your neck and then also, you know, moving on to the next phase in your life? Well, my these kids don't know because my NFL career, if you blinked, you missed it. I mean, it wasn't long. Um, Same with mine, I, right? <laughs> yes. I mean, big hopes, big dreams, but but God definitely had um, different plans. I, I think one of the things about my personality is I've always been go, 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 do, do, do. Um, I, I got a lot of energy and um, I, I have a lot of busyness in my life. And 
I think one thing that I figured out, man, through injury, through, you know, uh, you know, the, not the ups, but the downs, you know, the negative stuff, the adversity in your life, you know, you have an opportunity to, to be still sometimes and reflect and, you know, start some routines in your life. I think that will really help you. And like I, I started doing holy habits and like, you know, I'm, I'm going to get up every morning. You know, I was texting you about, the, you know, meeting for the show and when we we're going to do it. Like, I, I got to get my 20 minutes in the hot tub. Like, that's I, I got to go have my prayer time so I can listen, so I can start my day you know, correctly. And, um, and, and prayer, I think is something that's, that's different for different people. But like the biggest thing is any kind of relationship you have or any kind of thing you do takes time. It takes time to develop a habit. It takes time to develop, um, your way of communicating and, and, and every relationship requires you to talk and, and you to be involved in. So, you know, just, um, for me, it's been be still, know that I am God, chill out, listen more, you know, uh, instead of being busy, busy, busy. Cause it's crazy, man. We come home Barrett, from work and you've been busy all day long. What's the first thing a lot of us do, which I used to do all the time, turn the TV on. Yeah. And you're like, wait a minute. Now you just created more noise, you know? And so, um, it, it's been crazy. It's been good, man. But, but I think God shows you those things. I think there's some things in life, man, that we, that we're going to go around. And there's a bunch of potholes in our lives that like God will take us around things. And you've seen that you'll look back, you're like, man, that was close. That could have been, you know, that could have been really, really difficult. And then there's some things I think we got to be taken through and that's the only way we're going to learn. And so I've had a lot of ups, ups that are really cool. And people look at me and like, Oh, three time all American in Georgia. I changed, I changed positions three times at Georgia before I ever played yeah. any significant, like that, that was a little bit of up and down. Oh, you played in the NFL. Yeah. Well, it lasted a short period of time. I, I broke my neck. You know, I'm gone. Oh, now you go to TV. You're on college game day. How crazy. Well, yeah, you're fired. You're gone. Okay. So, I mean, you know, if, if you're not, if you're not in a storm, like one's coming and, yeah. and, and that's for all of us, no matter what your age is, man, difficult times are going to come in your lives and you've got to be ready to deal with them. Yeah, there's no doubt. And for me personally, I mean, having a seizure on a ski lift is not like breaking your neck, but it's scary as hell. And yeah. that that definitely, uh, you know, moved me back towards prayer a little bit more than I was before because, you know, I, I had epilepsy. I still have epilepsy, but having one where a seizure where you could literally die just by falling off a ski lift. I mean, it's scary as hell. And, um, you know, it's something that I think all of us have to deal with, whether it be, you know, your broken neck, my health issues or anybody else out there. Uh, so I encourage people to go listen to Family Goals. It's a great podcast. Uh, you get a lot from it, you know, and like you said, they're different topics, different days, different weeks. And, um, you know, I really love it. So let's segue to actual football, right? Um, talk about, you know, enduring some problems. George's winning streak comes to an end in tragic fashion in the SEC championship game. A lot of people exiting, but Carson Beck coming back. Yesterday's show, we talked about the Heisman Trophy odds, and I was honestly surprised that he is the favorite right now and above Quinn Ewers. And so I, I kind of looked at like, okay, that's interesting. I want to talk to you about that. So, you know, what does he actually have to do to follow through on that hype? Well, Carson's incredible, man. Like, and there's very few. Now, listen, it's interesting that we talk about these two guys because both of these guys, bro, when you watch them throw a football, it is different. Okay. Like Quinn Ears, start, I'll start with Quinn. Like that dude, he is in the top 10 of I've seen just throw a football, grip it, rip it. It is beautiful. Like the way it comes off of his hand is gorgeous. It spins. It's, and I know that sounds weird that I'm saying it's gorgeous, but it looks good. It, it, oh, it it's does. just, it's, it's, it's very impressive. Now, here's the thing with Quinn. If Quinn would learn to do the small things and get the details of the position, if he would get his footwork consistently set, like 
he's he's learned to change speeds a little bit and use different clubs you know like if he needs to use his lob wedge he can use his lob wedge a little bit more i've loved that about him but i just his literally his feet to me if, if he could get his feet organized consistently yeah i know you can throw off platform and you're really good at it but like i don't have to when I, I do that when i need to not when i don't have to so i think if he fixes that i think it'd be it could be incredible for quinn and he could take off even more from from a talent standpoint carson beckman like studying him and watching him incredible processor incredible feel in the pocket incredible arm strength dude nobody throws crossers in the country better than carson beck i mean and he throws lasers laser beams i mean those things and here's the thing about carson that i really like it's on you before you turn it's yeah. on you before you break and that's that's an important trait because you know the windows shrink at every level so if i'm going to look at him in the next level for college or for beyond college into the nfl like the high school windows college windows pro windows continue to sh uh, shrink but uh, you know carson Carson can be a, a, the number one pick next year. Carson's got to improve his deep ball. You you watch him and the deep ball. The deep ball is by far the biggest weakness. And he's got to be able to take those shots down the field. He wants to throw everything 3,000 miles an hour. And those deep balls, sometimes I just got to get the feel of lay it out in front, let him run underneath it. Um, but everything else, man, uh, except for, you know, mobility, he's not like a freak athlete. He has enough to make plays off yeah. platform. But – I see it, man. And listen, here's the thing about him versus Quinn. When you know, you know what you're going to get from Georgia players. Like you know, they're going to be in this thing. Like they're they're either going to be in the Final Four or or they're going to be right there. Uh, sorry, not the Final Four, the Final Twelve. Now, like they're either going to be in the mix or the they're, they're going to be in the playoffs. No, they're yeah. going to be like they're going to be in the twelve team playoffs. So I mean, you if know, you're you top got, four in the SEC, you're probably getting into the playoffs. You're you're getting in. If you're top six, maybe you'll get it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, but I think that's a. Um, but the, both those guys are talented, but I absolutely understand both of those guys being up there at the top. If you were in the age of NIL, would you buy a Lambo like Carson Beck or would you kind of tone it down a little bit? Well, first of all, <laughs> what I would do at 21 and, 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 and 41 is a little different. So <laughs> it's, e it's easy to go the old guy. Nah, I wouldn't do that. But I mean, I can imagine I would have bought some for me personally, bro. I'd have brought like video games, Palooza. Like I think my setup <laughs> in the house, cause we had a TVs upstairs and downstairs. And, and back then you had to connect them with a wire. And, and yeah. literally, I think I would have the, the best video game setup in the history of the world. That that's what I probably, would. I'm not a car guy. I don't know if you, you a car guy. No, I'd have a okay, truck. That's so, it. Yeah. I got a truck too. So I, I'm not a, I'm not a car guy, but Hey, good for him. God bless. And again, to me, the NIL, I, I get it. I, I get the outrage by people, and I understand why you have outra outrage with NIL. I'll also throw this caveat in. NIL was was intended for the purpose that Carson Beck just got. Like, that dude sat behind Stetson Bennett. He watched the championship run. He didn't leave. He stayed there at Georgia. He built his value. He goes out and has a heck of a year, and now he's capitalizing on it left and right, which is exactly what NIL should be about, not – paying high school players to come to a school when you haven't done anything yet. You, you, you mentioned video games. When I was in college, the, the most exciting thing that we did, we found an old Nintendo that had a power pad. And so <laughs> we would sit there in college and instead of running, because you know, that, that takes a lot of work, we just sit there and snap, slap it and have races on Is the that power the one pad. That was like the track. It was like the track. Yeah. yeah. It was like, and the you did long jump. Plastic. Yeah. That yeah. Thing was awesome. I much remember that. I mean, the power glove, much better than the power glove. I don't uh, remember the power glove. glove. Total, total side. Have you seen 8-Bit Christmas? I have not. 
Oh, dude, go watch 8-Bit Christmas. It is about the time that uh, Neil Patrick Harris got his first Nintendo. I mean, it is. It hits on every single possible level. But that's okay. neither here nor there. It's on max. But um, <laughs> the big story in the offseason, obviously, is Nick Saban uh, retiring. What what should be the expectation for Alabama under Kalen DeVore? Realistic is not is not a possibility for Alabama fans. I mean, they've they're <laughs> they've just been so spoiled. Um, and so I think it's hard to understand how they could be realistic. And but here's the here, here's what I'll say. For, okay, first we'll start with Bama, then I want to say something about Nick. One with, with Alabama. I think they're gonna be really good because Kalen DeVore is a really good coach. He's a yeah. really good football coach. I think there's a learning curve coming from the West Coast to the East Coast. Just think there's a learning curve coming in the SEC. Uh, recruiting in the SEC, it's a different animal. It, it's the, it's it's very different. He's proven he can win at different levels. He's proven he's a great coach. I'm not worried the least bit about any of that stuff. The recruiting is a big deal. So I think they'll drop off. I think they won't be as good. Is that going to be enough for Alabama fans? Like, <laughs> the standard is so high. If he goes to the college football playoff with a 12-team every year but doesn't finish in the top one – in, in the first three or four years, it's probably not success. And that's crazy. It's just a – it's an unbelievable standard. Here's something I'll say about Nick that I think people will find interesting. I think Nick – well, uh, Nick is, is the greatest coach to ever coach in college football. Nick did a lot of for the, for the game of football. I think Nick can do more for college football now that he's retired than he did in the game. I think he has an opportunity. I, I'm putting him to structure every part of this game, bro. Like, yeah. he has an unbelievable mind. He has unbelievable processes and, and ways to go about things. He needs to fix the mechanics of college football. He knows them intimately. He worked through them. Like, he would be the perfect guy to bring us together and merge, get rid of the NCAA, and start forging a way forward with college football that protects us and keeps the game um, what we love about it, but also continue to continue to grow it. Going to have to get him off that golf course up in northeast Georgia, get him off the lake. I mean, And he's earned it. Like. He's earned it, bro. Yeah, like, listen, as, as much as he's grinded and put into the game of football, like he does, he's earned some time to do that. But what, what a career, man! Yeah, go hang out in the boat now, dude. If you want to go, if you want to go fix college football, that's fine. Do it in the winter because I would enjoy that lake up there in Northeast Georgia. Okay, last thing, you you know Dan Lanning quite well from your time around him when he was at Georgia. Now he's at Oregon, obviously for a couple seasons. He's done a great job. What I'm not saying without Bo Nix, but. Is, is the ceiling for Dan Lanning at Oregon in the new look Big Ten a national championship, or should it be a little bit of a step back from that? I, I don't think the ceiling – here's the thing about Dan. Dan is, Dan is awesome. Like, Dan is – you know, Dan wasn't thinking about going to Alabama. Like, I, I love that about Dan. Dan's like, dude, I'm making all this money. This is amazing. Like, I'm doing, I'm doing a good job. Like, he is – like, you saw the, the, the video before the, the Colorado game. Like, he's got fire. He's got passion. His, his family is super happy. He recruits at a high level. Um, listen, I think Dan is, is is like a lot of schools that are not named, you know, Georgia, not named Alabama, not named Ohio State, not named those teams that are in the mix every single year. Like, they're on the outside. They're, they're, they need a breakthrough. I think he needs to find that that quarterback, and Bo Nix is, is that guy. He needs to build the offensive line, the defensive line, continue to get those positions. Yeah. But – the Big Ten is is listen. I, I don't I don't think people understand. Like Ohio State and and Michigan run the Big Ten, and they're really good. But the rest of the Big Ten doesn't really pose a threat most of the time or challenge them. And so 
you know, I look for Oregon and the way they've recruited to come in. They can ne- definitely be a team that challenges Ohio State, be a team that challenges Michigan, and, and a team that can actually beat them. There's a lot of teams that play them every year that you're like, all right, well, you can't beat them. Like, yeah. not going to happen. Um, Oregon, I think, with Dan has a chance to to get through that ceiling. Just like every other young coach, though, he's got he's got to take his lumps, right? He's got to learn. He's got to grow. It took Kirby, you know, how many years to win a national title and really get it down pat. And you saw him, and people questioned him if he could do it. But um, Dan's made of all the right stuff. And if I'm Oregon, I'm I'm jacked to have him. And there's a reason that Alabama called him. You know, there's a reason that people would call Dan right away because he's that good. David, appreciate you hopping on. If you have, for those listening or watching, if you haven't checked out Family Goals Pod with David and Pastor Jay, highly encourage doing that. David, appreciate it. Appreciate it, big dog. Good to see you. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. There is a coaching problem in the world of college football, and it's something that needs to be addressed. If you missed it this morning, news broke that Georgia State coach Sean Elliott is returning to the Gamecocks to be the tight ends coach under Shane Beamer. Now, I say returning because he was the interim head coach when Steve Spurrier retired a few years back. But look at what's happening, whether it's Chip Kelly leaving UCLA to become the offensive coordinator at Ohio State and now Sean Elliott leaving to become the tight ends coach at Georgia State. And we've seen this with South Alabama, Kane Womack going going to Alabama as well. This is a problem. And I think the reason we have this problem is because of NIL. It's because of the transfer portal. And also it's because of money. An assistant coach in the SEC, assistant coach in the Big Ten, they make more money than being a head coach in Group of Five. Now, Chip Kelly left a lot of money, so he exclude him from the issue. But Maurice Linguist, Kane Womack, and now Sean Elliott, they're going to make more as an assistant in a power two conference. That is, I think one part of this, you know, while everyone's going to freak out and I get it, you're going to freak out. You should freak out. This is a problem, but the money is, is is part of this. And it should be because if I'm making over a million dollars as an assistant, but I'm making 750 as a head coach somewhere, an extra 250 
pretty darn solid, pretty good chunk of change. So there is the financial aspect of it, but that's not the real problem here. The real problem here is the new administrative responsibilities of a head coach. Now, Chip Kelly's not going to want to deal with what he's been dealing with as a head coach. Sean Elliott doesn't want to do it. Now, this is a lesser extent, obviously, because Georgia State's NIL budget and you know all that stuff is a little different than one at the Power 5 level. But this has to change. And it goes back to something that I've talked about ad nauseum. All it takes, all it takes is fixing the calendar. If you want to get rid of this coaching problem, and it's almost an epidemic at this point, a few simple changes to the calendar will do it. That's it. First things first, eliminate the early signing period. Make February great again and put the only national signing day as the first Wednesday of February. That's going to solve a lot. Now, if you don't want to eliminate the early signing period, okay, make it in July before fall camp. Make it you know, mid-August, whatever. I don't care when it is. Because the initial intent, remember, of the college football uh, early transfer, early signing period, I should say, was to let longtime commitments or legacy players get it out of the way before high school. That was the initial intent when we started talking about this 10, 15 years ago. And I remember Dan Mullen, I think he was even at Mississippi State at this point, said it has to be at that point. It has to be at that time. He warned you. Everybody warned you. Everybody that said we should have it before the season warns you. And look where we are. It's a disaster. So if you want to prevent this from happening, if you want to present a prevent sitting head coaches from going to take assistant coaching jobs elsewhere in the country, eliminate the early signing period. That will do an awful lot. Because it would prevent them from having to deal with high school recruits when they're also having to deal with the transfer portal, hiring assistant coaches. Oh, yeah, and actually playing football, practicing for bowl games. And in some cases, 12 of them next year, preparing for the college football playoff. Okay, do that, coaches stay. Now, you want, you want this to really, really go away. Transfer portal for only one week in the winter. The Monday after championship Saturday, Open the transfer portal window. Close it the following Monday. It solves basically everything. Players who unhappy or who were unhappy can bail. It solves basically everything. Players can bail. We're not going to have a Malik Murphy situation where he kind of hangs out for a little while and then has to leave his team before the college football playoff right before practice starts. Everybody knows what's happening. I know the academic calendar plays into a little bit of this. Screw the academic calendar. I don't care. <laughs> this is big business. All right? So coaches can get this out of the way. They can figure out who's in, who's out, build their roster. And that happens even before the first bowl game is played. Even if you're in the worst possible bowl game, the first bowl game of the cycle, the transfer portal window will have already been closed. Now for Army Navy, which takes place a week after, okay, exception, fine, don't care. That's totally cool. 
Because if, if coaches know their roster in mid-December, it would allow them to focus on National Signing Day, the high school version in February, not the one in mid-December, because again, we're doing away with that. They could get ready for spring practice. And then they can gear up for the spring transfer portal window, which should be the most important one because that players would actually go through spring practice. They'll know their new coaches if they've made a change. They will see where the depth chart is. Now, obviously, there's not going to be an actual depth chart, but players are taking reps. They know what's up. The spring transfer portal window should be the one that counts. So two simple things. Eliminate the early signing period, or at the very least, move it to late July, mid-August, wherever. Even You could even do it before media days. You could even do it at the end of June, whatever. And shorten the winter transfer portal to one week. Start it the Monday after championship Saturday and close it that following week, two days after the Heisman Trophy ceremony. What's the problem? It would solve a lot. And it would keep coaches in their jobs. It would keep coaches away from doing what Sean Elliott did. For what Kane Womack did. For what Maurice Linguist did. I don't think it would prevent Chip Kelly because that's a different situation. He was at UCLA going to the Big Ten. He just didn't like what he was having to deal with. It's got to be fixed, folks. It's got to be fixed, and it can be fixed. The calendar in college football is screwed up, and all you need to do is eliminate the early signing period and shorten the transfer portal window in the winter to one week, starting after championship Saturday and closing the following Monday. It really isn't that hard, but it's college football. It's the NCAA, which means it won't happen because this sport is beautifully dysfunctional, but this isn't beautiful. It's got to be fixed. Reminded the show call, uh, brought to you by Coastal Vibe Vacations, 850-888-0515. CoastalVibeVacations.com, specializing in one, two, three-bedroom condos on Okaloosa Island along the Gulf Coast of Florida between Destin and Fort Walton. CoastalVibeVacations.com. Joined now by a very good friend. You know him. You love him. He is Jake Crane from Crane and Company on Daily Wire. Mr. Crane, it's a pleasure for you to be here. It's awesome to see you guys killing it on uh, on Daily Wire. And uh, welcome in. Uh, well, first off, Barrett, uh, th- thank you for coming on Crane and Company uh, earlier today. Uh, great stuff. And, dude, congratulations. The, the new show is incredible. Uh, I knew it was going to be when you announced it. Um, really excited to you know watch you keep keep balling out and doing what you're doing, man. And and you know the amount of mutual respect uh, and love that not only myself but all three of us uh, at Crane and Company have for you, man. And, and you're one of the best in the business. So uh, honored to be uh, part of the beginning of of what's sure to be a, an absolute banger of a show. Smothered, covered, slaughtered, displayed, <laughs> splattered, deliciousness. Love it. 
I really appreciate it. It seems like only yesterday we were singing karaoke at Gabriel's. Yeah. You know what? In in Dallas this summer, I guess I got to get uh, Blaine and Coney up there to uh, to sing with us. Yeah, look, Cone Cone can sing now. Cone can. Like, I know. I've seen sing. on Instagram. He's now good, now man. my brother sounds like you know it's like one of those funny auditions at the beginning, like old school American Idol when they'd have you <laughs> know the people who couldn't sing at all at the beginning. That's my brother. He's more of the the dance move guy. But uh, yeah, man, we got to do it. Absolutely. So something uh, segue, that's what they call a tease in this business. Something Mm -hmm. that Kalen DeVore's got to do is win at Alabama and win consistently after Nick Saban left. So I guess, uh, you know, this is first a 50,000 foot question uh, with maybe a very complicated answer. Uh, Mm -hmm. What does what does the Alabama fan base in your mind need to see from Kalen DeVore uh, in year one just to sort of calm the nerves after the Nick Saban era? Well, you know, look, I, the, the expectation, and, and I've uh, I said this about a lot of places, but obviously Alabama has, has been on top of the mountain for a long time or, or one of the, the multiple teams that have been on top of the mountain here recently. Uh, the, the expectation and the standard is not going to be lowered. He's going to be expected to win every game he plays in. Now, will reality be accepted? You know, you can two things can be true at once. The standard doesn't need to be lowered, but reality does have to be accepted. Uh, if he goes nine and three, and, and obviously depending on that nine and three, who are the three losses? Do you get in the playoff? And if you do get in the 12 team playoff, what do you do when you get there? But a, a, any loss is going to be deemed a, a disaster. And and it, that's how it was going to be for anybody at Alabama when you're replacing the greatest of all time. But let's not forget, Nick Saban hadn't won a national championship in the last three years. So it's not like you're coming off, you know, what Kirby Smart has done uh, or even what Jim Harbaugh has done here recently. But they expect national championships in Tuscaloosa. So I'll continue to say that I think Kalen DeBoer's tenure will be defined by obviously the patience that the fan base gives them, which fan is short for fanatical, so you're not going to get a lot of that. But it will be defined by the level of freakout that happens the first time something inevitably goes wrong. When Nick Saban would lose, maybe earlier in the year, which he didn't do a lot, but you lose to Texas, he had some leeway, right, for two yeah. reasons. One, You've already won all these championships, uh, and and you you've you've built up that equity, that rapport with the fan base, and you always fixed it. With Nick Saban, you knew it would get fixed. Hell, they took a lacrosse player down to South Florida and beat him, <laughs> and everybody thought, all right, here we go, Bama's on the raft going down the river. Just the old Eskimo person, let's send him off into the night. And what does Nick Saban do? Makes a run all the way to the playoff, uh, adjusts his offense. So look, the standard's not going to be lowered, but the Alabama fans need to realize. Nobody is going to be Nick Saban, right? That doesn't mean you accept losing, but the first time it inevitably goes wrong, how big is the freakout? Yeah, and I think that's the one thing is the expectations, I think, are lowered right now. But yeah, how big is the freakout and how long will that last? And I think a lot of that, Jake, depends on Jalen Milrow and the quarterback position because you look at what Kalen did well at Washington and what Michael Penix did well, it was the deep ball. That's what they did. That's how they succeeded but Michael Penix was also great everywhere else. Jalen Milrow has not been great everywhere else. He can throw the deep ball, but intermediate short routes, that's been sort of his weakness. What do you make? Do you think Jalen Milrow not only can succeed in this system, but just beat out Austin Matt for the starting quarterback job? Yeah, look, it's it's a fascinating conversation. And, and to go back just to, to what you said at first, I think it's a lot easier when we're sitting here in February yeah. for fans of teams to say, you know what? Maybe the expectation could get lowered. Well, 
let me check in on your ass in November and see how it's going when we're during the year when when you care more than you do right now. Even though a lot of people care the same all the way through the year, I think there's, you know, uh, uh, like Meek Mill said, man, there's levels to it. Now, when it comes to Jalen Monroe, when we talked to Kalen DeBoer at the Senior Bowl, one of the questions yep. that, that I wanted to hear him answer was his thoughts on personnel and transitioning to a place where you haven't got in exactly the type player you want to be able to run your system at the highest efficiency level. At Washington, you had a Joe Moore award-winning offensive line. You had your guys. Which in there. let's but first of all, the Joe Moore award-winning offensive line really wasn't that good when it mattered most. Well, it's I think that I think they punched above their weight all year. Uh it, what, what what I think it, the reason they won the Joe Moore award and I think LSU's 2019 team was a little bit like this. I think you don't just win it because of run blocking. You win it because of pass protection. I think what Washington did, keeping Michael Penix upright, I mean, they were one of the top teams in the country in the sack given up right now. Look, when you get down to the playoff and you're facing the Globinauts Avengers and the Justice League from like <laughs> Georgia and, and um, you know, uh, obviously Texas, who had a great pass rush. Just look what they did to Alabama, who I know wasn't the best offensive line. But um, you, bottom line is you had your guys in there. You had your three NFL wide receivers in there. The, the personnel fit the system. Well, anytime you're taking over a new place, even with the the summer of love or the 70s freedom that we're getting in the transfer portal, it still takes time to get your guys in place. And he answered the question perfectly. He said, I will adjust my system to my personnel if I have to. That's why I think, Barrett, everybody would – you know how the saying goes – you know, it'd be good if everybody waited tables for three months just to see, you know, like how life works. I think everybody should have to coach high school for a year just to see our two years where, and I know some high schools recruit, but you don't get to pick every player you have. You have to learn to adjust your system to the personnel that you get. And that's what Kalen DeBoer said. And now with Ryan Grubb gone and Scott Huff gone, the offensive line coach, it's going to be even more paramount that he adjusts that system to his personnel than it was before because you have a new play caller as well. I mean, you got to put the guys in the best position possible. So Jalen Milrow is different than Joe Milton, Barrett. Joe Milton could only throw the fastball. He was a closer. I come in, I throw 102 miles per hour. I face yep. three batters. That's it. You're not going six innings with Joe Milton. He can't make the routine throws routine. You can't put touch into somebody. I think Jalen Milrow has the ability, though, to grow as a passer because there were times where he was layering balls in between. There were times where he was making the routine throws routine. Where I think Jalen Milrow will get into trouble is the same reason I think Dak Prescott and the Cowboys can't really do anything when it comes to the NFL in the playoffs because they turned a guy that was a dual threat guy and tried to turn him into Drew Brees. Yeah. If the Cowboys would use Dak Prescott the way the Eagles use Jalen Hurts, right? And if Alabama will use Jalen Monroe, where he operates at the highest efficiency level, which is a threat with his legs, a threat with his arm, and you don't tell him to sit back in the pocket and just pick people apart. You play to his strengths, he'll be fine. I think Kalen DeBoer is smart enough to know that. I do like how you mentioned the summer of love in relation to a team out of Seattle. I understood that reference. Yeah, you uh, see what I'm going to look, I'm, I'm going to do the Chaz district next, so just get I, ready. I, I like it. Yeah, I, Look, I understood that reference. Like uh, like in the Avengers, I, I got it. Now, um, Colorado. Look, a lot of eyes were on Colorado and Dion, especially early in the season, and I've said, and I know you said as well, uh, expect a regression to the mean, and, and that's exactly what happened. But Shadur Sanders came out this week and said nobody handles adversity like him. I believe him because he didn't have anybody blocking for him last year at Colorado and still uh, seemed to survive, much less uh, become an effective passer. 
with Dion and Shadur this year and Colorado going to the Big 12, I, I'm not going to say are they content because they're not going to contend. But can they make a bowl game? Look, I, I think they can. They were. I don't think people realize how deficient they were up front, really on both sides of the ball last yep. year. And, and that's just a world. Look, man, you, you can't be a buffet and just serve sides, dog. Like, <laughs> you, you got to have steak. You got to have chicken. You got to have burgers or hot dogs or something. I mean, Colorado was out there trying to play seven on seven. That's what they were trying to do and find ways to manipulate that offensive line to be able to just have them hold up. Uh, and you see them getting guys like Jordan Seaton and what they've added through the transfer portal. I think Colorado will be better. Uh, when it comes to Shadur Sanders, look, I got a lot of respect for Shadur, but I really don't want to hear Shadur Sanders talk to me about adversity when you're <laughs> Deion Sanders' son, when you decided to skip the first team meeting so you and your brother could go to Fashion Week in Milan. Excuse me if I'm not going to cry a bucket full of tears about how much adversity you've had to face off the field. Now, when it comes to on the field, he was one of the biggest surprises of all last year for me. Not that I didn't think he was a good player, but seeing it translate so easily from the HBCU level to the Pac-12 when it was probably the best year the Pac-12 has had since I can remember, yep. ironically being the last year they ever existed. But going into the Big 12, uh, I, I think it fits their style of play a little bit more. And you bring back Travis Hunter. You bring back a lot of weapons, including your quarterback, uh, I think Colorado will be better. I think a bowl game is is probable. I, I would even put it as probable. Uh, but to say they're going to contend, I'm going to tell you who's going to win the Big 12 right now. And I typically don't do predictions this early, but it's going to be hard as hell for me not to pick Utah to win the Big 12. Yeah, I tend to agree. And, you know, I think back when they moved to the Pac-12, uh, we had Kyle Whittingham on multiple times, and he said they weren't ready from a personnel perspective for two or three years. But now they are. You know, now that identity yeah. is set, they're in a power five, they're moving to the Big 12, which, I mean, by and large, is pretty comparable to what the Pac-12 did become from a personnel perspective. So I, I, I would not, uh, I wouldn't doubt that one bit. Although I'm not saying UCF is going to win it. I'm excited to see what Gus can do at UCF, not just yeah. this year, but moving forward, because I think that's a sleeping giant. Um, speaking of the state of Florida, Florida State, I, I thought Florida State would make the playoff before the season really had tra had Jordan Travis not got hurt, they would have. Um, but that was because they had continuity, right? You, you had a bunch of players like Jared Verse and some of these guys come back and say unfinished business. That's a lot like what happened with Clemson back in 2018, a lot what happened with Georgia in 2021. So that mindset is there, but all those players are gone. So I I'm not going to ask about Florida State contending this year because we don't know. But because of that player turnover, do you bite, uh, buy Mike Norvell and Florida State as a consistent contender for the college football playoff in the new look ACC, which let's be honest, uh, the only team that scares me out of those three joining is SMU. But this is Florida State's conference, or it could be. Do you buy them becoming the juggernaut they were back in the early 2010s? Well, I mean, it's, it's you know, Barrett, uh, do I believe in Mike Norvell? Yes. Do, do I think that Florida State already went undefeated with, in all actuality, a bunch of transfers? If we're going to be honest. Yeah, I thought it was one of the most impressive things that, that Mike Norvell did was being able to bring transfers in, kind of flip the roster, and then go out there and compete at a high level and, and have that cohesion, similar to what we've seen with some teams around the country. I mean, you look at what Ole Miss is doing as well. But it's, you know, if we're going to talk about a, a team that's going to perennially make the playoffs as long as Mike Norvell is there, I think so. Uh, I don't yeah, think I do Jordan too. Travis gets enough credit for as, as good of a quarterback as he was. But let's make no mistake. When Florida State get, gets cooking, they can get as hot as anybody. I, I mean, that's a brand that even today, 
right? Even through, I mean, they won a national championship with Jameis in 2013. It's not like it's so far removed from everybody's minds, like Nebraska, where kids are like, well, I don't remember watching Stunkhauser and Steincooler, you know, in the 90s. These that's like that's like us remembering that Vandy was good. That's exactly right. Yeah, like it's, it's uh, again, the, the kids nowadays, Florida State is still a hot brand. It's a sexy brand, right? Uh, in the, in the day of, days of NIL, Florida State can get going as, as much as anybody. Now you look at facility upgrades and things like that. Uh, that's a story for another day. But but yes, Barrett, I, I believe, and you look at the ACC, Clemson isn't what they used to be, and I don't see Dabo changing anytime soon, uh, which, you know, that's that's a fascinating storyline of its own. Um, adding Cal and and you know, Stanford, uh, this isn't a math contest, so I'm not worried about that. Red's done a great job at SMU. We'll see with Miami and Mario. I, I happen to be a, le- a believer in them because I think they're good enough up front. But, yeah, that that's the the long way of answering. I think Florida State is here to stay because I think Mike Norvell is a damn good football coach, and I think they are upset down there in Tallahassee, and I think Mike Norvell has that genuine relationship with his players where, you know, that adversity chip is it's not manufactured. It comes off as genuine. You got – you got screwed out of the playoff, man. I mean, let's let's call it what it is. Yes, the only thing do. I worry about is, you know, you sat here and preach, hey, win and you're in, right? We handle business, then we're then we're going to be in. Well, you got left out last year, but it's a 12 team playoff now. So, look, if Mike Norvell and Florida State's a stock, I, I'm keeping my money in it. I'm not selling it. I am too. The ACC did up the patchouli level by adding Cal, so there's that. Um, look, I adding, mean, yeah, you got to point and say, hey, we we care about academics. Yeah, those hippies too. Woo-hoo. Yeah. Yeah, Cal. Yeah, Cal. Yeah, on the thing. West Coast. That's yeah. Let's put let's put a school from Berkeley and Palo Alto in the Atlantic Coast Conference, <laughs> and you wonder why we're, we're the aliens won't talk to us. The the aliens were in Miami a couple months ago. That's so exactly you know how that right. goes. And they left. <laughs> yeah, right. Last thing, and this is a, a really simple and a short question with a potentially long and complicated answer because I I don't even know how to answer it at this point. Is Ryan Day on the hot seat? Man, it's th- this is like one of the most nuanced situations ever. And and a lot of people off the cuff say, oh, hot seat. N- no way. He's a, one of the top five winningest coaches in college football right now. You just went 11-2. and two. I mean, it's a high-class problem to have that Ohio State does. But, like, I'm from Auburn, Alabama. I know what that Iron Bowl rivalry is. You remember and, the Bill Curry days at yeah, Alabama. Yeah, look, I mean, there's been a lot of guys that have won a lot of games but didn't win the games they, were, they had to. When yeah. you sign up, to coach at Auburn or Alabama, you understand that you have to win that game. Not every year, but you got to win your share of them. You can't lose a lot of them in, in a row. When you sign up to coach at Michigan or Ohio State, it's the same thing. Look, Jim Harbaugh was winning a lot of games at Michigan, but he couldn't beat Ohio State. All of a sudden, Urban Meyer leaves, and then he flips the script. Not that that was the only reason, but it was a big reason. Yeah. And, and he, they're, they're going to build a, a statue on top of a statue next to a statue of them. You can't on one hand say, listen, our rivalry is so good that we can go 1-11. But if that one is against our arch rival, it's a successful season. If you're going to say that, you can't then say, oh, well, look, we went 11-1. and one. Even though we lost to our arch rival for the third year or fourth year in a row, that's okay. Those two things cannot coexist. You knew what it was when you took the job. At some point, you have to beat Michigan. And if you don't beat them this year, when they've had their coach leave, their strength coach leave, their their defensive coordinator leave, uh, they're uh, replacing all this personnel up front and at the skill position, including the quarterback and the best guys out wide and, uh, and the best guys in the backfield, and you get them at home, if you don't beat them this year, I could understand maybe if it's not a fired, 
but it's uh you know in the arms of the <laughs> angel just put them on the raft yep. and just everybody's waving on the bank as you push them down the river and who knows maybe ever or wiener goose or beaver moose or whatever his name is at the bears whatever dr seuss character that is maybe he doesn't go great for him this year and heck ryan day there's no michigan in the nfl but he is at the chargers it's going to be fascinating. Let's just say Ohio State loses to Michigan, makes the playoff, and wins a national championship. Same thing would be for Alabama or Auburn or Michigan. The roles are reversed. Well, Barrett, like, Barrett, like it's a legitimate question. It, it, it could Ohio, happen very easily. Yeah, yeah. But if if you're in Ohio, and here's the thing, Ohio State can end up playing Michigan three times. Yep. Uh, there's no divisions in the Big Ten. But, like, honestly, Ohio State fans out there, real question. Would you rather, with all the circumstances being what they are this year, would you rather lose to Michigan and then win the national championship, only play them once, lose to Michigan and win the national championship, or beat Michigan and not win the national championship yeah. but make the playoff? I wonder which one they choose. I want to see y'all say y'all's rivalry is the best. That's all I hear about. Oh, it's the game. Oh, it's the game. I know which one Auburn fans and Alabama fans would choose. Yeah. I don't, which ones would y'all? Well, and here's the thing. What's the level in the playoff, right? If they lose to Michigan, make the playoff, don't win the national championship, but make it to that game or make it to the final four, but don't play Michigan in the playoff. That's that's where I want to know, like, okay, from a level perspective, you know, where are we here? Like, How high yeah. up the ladder do you really need to be in order to be comfortable with the where, where the program is? See, right my, my, my instinct, Barrett, tells me if you lose to Michigan and you only play them once, you better win the whole thing. That's that's what it feels like. I don't like know. Like if they if they lose the title game to to Bama or Texas, like I don't know. Like is that enough? Like, I, but, but I, I, I off the cuff, I agree with you. But then you think about it, and you're like, okay, if you don't play Michigan, but you get to the title game and lose, like, well, how you can, can you lose not to, like that, you know? You well, again, were they okay with losing to Michigan, but almost yeah, exactly. Georgia in the in the playoff? I don't think they were happy. I think maybe if it was the first year you lost to Michigan, right in a while. Right. Or maybe even the second loss in a row, you could get away with that. I think at this point, because they haven't got a ring, Barrett. Yeah. Like you've not only lost your rivalry game, that means you didn't make the Big Ten championship because you were both in the Big Ten East and then you didn't win a national championship. You've got no ring. Frodo's got more rings than you <laughs> in the last three years and his last got one of them. So, like, at some point, you got to put a ring on that finger. You could have a situation where Ohio State loses to Michigan, but still wins the Big Ten. Yeah. Like, is is that good enough to then get in the playoff and not win a national championship? So, like, it's the variables are all over. The, it's fascinating to keep up with. To it's going to be awesome. You know who does have a ring? I do. That Braves, that Braves World Series ring back there. That'll, hey, I, hey I, I don't have one of them, but I was like, I'm, I'm with you. I'm a Braves fan, so I feel like I do have one of them. Ring and I got a wedding at, ring. And ring, night at, ring night at Truist Park was a disaster. I'm just going to say. Was it? There was it? Oh my goodness gracious. That was ca uh, total chaos. Worse than I'd have dressed series. up like Gandalf or something just to throw <laughs> people off. <laughs> that would have been awesome. Jake, appreciate it. Tell us a little bit about the show, when you can watch it, and where you can watch it. Definitely, man. Well, I appreciate you having me on. Uh, yeah, it's Crane & Company. You can catch us. I mean, we're on YouTube. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, DailyWire.com. We go live each weekday morning, uh, 7.30 a.m. to 9 a.m. Eastern. They want me to start using Eastern time now. Apparently, more people 6 6.30 God's time. Yeah, 6.30 God's time. Uh, but if you can't catch us live, it stays on all those platforms all day. It's C-R-A-I-N-N Company. We take live calls, and we have a la live chat. If you like Barrett's stuff, which I know you do because you're listening, uh, I think you'll like ours as well.
Thanks, Jake. Appreciate it. And uh, for those who have not uh, uh, subscribed to Daily Wire Plus, that's a it's an investment you Lady will Ballers, not Barrett. regret. Lady Ballers. It was good. It was Thank really you, good. Jake, appreciate, appreciate it. it. Thanks, Barrett. That'll do it for this edition of the College Football Smothered and Covered Weekend Feast, the best of show from the week that was. Don't forget to give us a follow. YouTube, Rumble, Spotify, Apple Podcast, wherever you get your college football content. We'll be back for another full week of college football smothered and covered next week. Until then, have a great weekend, everybody. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.